Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Um, We're starting a new series, message, uh, five-week series today, and it's called In the Know. Um, we've all had times in our life where we've, we've struggled in knowing what to do. Have you ever been that way where you just, you have a big decision coming up and all of a sudden you're starting to think about it and you're just not sure what you should do? We've all had those times. What does God want me to do? Wouldn't it be nice just to always know? Wouldn't it be nice that you never have to guess, you never have to wonder, but God would just constantly, he would put you in the know. Oh, that's the title of our series, In the Know. He would put you in the know. Well, what would would happen if I told you that a lot of the in the know is already found in God's word? All we have to do is open it up and start reading God's word. And guess what? We would start discovering how to make better decisions, how to make right decisions in our life. Maybe you're sitting here today and you have, a, you have a situation and you're wondering, what should I do? Maybe you're making a tough parenting decision. What should I say? What should I do? We have a friend that was talking to us this week, my wife and I, tough parenting decision. He's like, man, Pastor Tom, what should I do? What, what, what should I say to my child? Wouldn't it be nice just to know? Maybe you're in a career change wondering, what does God want me to do next? Maybe you're at the single stage of life and you're wondering if you should date or if you should date, you're wondering who you should date. That's the question. Wouldn't it be nice to have that in the know? Like this is the one right here that you should date. Maybe retirement is looming and it's just around the corner and you want to know, man, what's next? What should I do? Whatever stage of life you're in, decisions are going to have to be made. And decisions are difficult at times. What does God want me to do? Sometimes when we are overwhelmed with the decisions of life, we just need to go back to the basics and do what we know. The no part of life is discovered in knowing Jesus. There is a letter in the New Testament, and it's written by the Apostle John. And I'm not talking about the Gospel of John, but I'm talking about the epistles of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. An epistle is a fancy word for a letter. It's a, it's a letter of instruction. It's a letter of encouragement. In this letter of 1st John, the word know is used over 30 times. And basically, what, what John is writing in his first letter is five chapters. What he's writing for instruction is he's wanting us to be in the know of who Jesus is and how Jesus can change your life. John was a disciple of Christ, and he knew Jesus. John, Jesus was John's friend. He walked with Jesus. He spoke with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. John loved Jesus. John was in the know because he had a relationship with Jesus. Listen to how John introduces Jesus in his first letter. We're going to be in the book of 1 John so it's more towards the end of the New Testament. And if you want, if you have your Bibles here today, I encourage you to open them up because you'll be able to reference back and forth as I'm reading about our message today. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, John is talking about Jesus, whom we have heard and seen 
We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Meaning that all knowledge is found in Jesus Christ. John is making multiple declarations in this one verse. You could preach a whole message off of this one verse. And I'm, I was tempted to do so, but I thought, no, I'm going to continue to move forward. But let me highlight this one verse. First, John is declaring that Jesus is eternal. He is everlasting. The second thing that we see in this verse is that John declares this, that Jesus is of divine nature. He is the second part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God God the Holy Spirit. He declares it right here in this passage of Scripture. The third thing that we see in here is that Jesus is the word of life. Word of life referring to creation. That which is spoken into existence. Word of life referring to spiritual rebirth through our faith in Jesus Christ. In Revelations chapter 22 verse 13 Jesus proclaims these words. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Let me read it again. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. If you wanted to be in the know, wouldn't it be good to know this guy right here? Let me tell you right now, if you've ever wondered who your Alpha is, let me tell you right now, it's Jesus. The alpha in your relationship has to be Jesus because he holds eternal life in his hands. He holds your eternal life in his hands. Being in the know is knowing Jesus. You've you've heard this saying, it's not what you know it's. Let's say it again. It's not what you know it's. Knowing Jesus can make all the difference. Over the next several weeks, we'll be spending some time here looking at some, at some of the truths that are found in 1 John. After five weeks, after we've completed this series, here's my hope, here's my desire, that we would be in the know greater than ever before. John declares in the very beginning here, in 1 John 1.4, he declares the, for the purpose of writing this letter. He says, we are writing these things so that you may fully share in our joy. On several different occasions, John writes these words, not just in the first epistle, but he also writes it in the Gospel of John. You'll see these words that he writes. He says that your joy may be full. John's writing this letter. He's giving you knowledge because he knows that when you have the knowledge of Christ in your life, guess what? It takes place. There's going to be joy that comes into your life. The statement that John makes is not original with John. This statement that he makes, he has heard before. He's heard this before from a good friend of his. This friend that he knew from years before, his name is Jesus. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 11. These are Jesus' words. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. John not only heard Jesus' statement, But he had experienced this joy that Jesus was talking about because he had relationship with Jesus. He had the knowledge that Jesus was passing on to him, and his life was being filled with joy. As we read John's letter, his desire is that we be filled with that same great joy of knowing Jesus. The first truth of knowledge that I want to share with you from John's uh, letter is a simple truth. But man, 
It is such a powerful truth. And if you apply it to your life, it can be absolutely life-changing. 1 John 1.5. 1 John 1.5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So John is writing his letter. He's writing an epistle. Remember, it's a letter to bring encouragement and knowledge. And one of the first things that he shares with us is these words. This message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light. The first point I want to share with you today is light represents God's righteousness. Light in the Bible represents the righteousness of God and his goodness. And darkness represents evil and sin. John declares that God is light and there is zero. Say zero. Zero. zero none. There is not one ounce, not one speck of darkness in our God. He is 100% perfect. There is no error. He is perfection. John continues by sharing that you can't say that, that you have a relationship with God while at the same time living in darkness. Those are tough words. How do we make that work when, man, this morning I was thinking a bad thought I was driving to church. Do I not have a relationship with God? Stay in. Let's be in the know. Hang on here. But we do know this, that John is writing and he's saying these two things don't mix. Light and darkness don't mix together. Why don't they mix? Because light and darkness, they oppose each other. God and Satan, they oppose one another. They just don't get along. Now, the Bible is not a politically correct book. So if you're wanting to find a, something that's politically correct, don't read the Bible, okay? It's just not politically correct. It's not a Bible that teaches that we should tolerate sin. I've read through it. I can't find it. I can't find any words in the Bible that teaches that we should tolerate sin. Now, let me declare something to you. The Bible declares forgiveness of sin. It, it, throughout its words, it talks about the forgiveness of sin, but it never, forgiveness and tolerance are not the same. It's really important that we understand this one truth. This is being in the know, understanding that God has provided a way for forgiveness in your life, but man, there is nothing in God that ever wants to tolerate sin. Not one point. See, tolerance is deviating from a set standard. God's set standard is 100% righteous. God's standard does not include sin. So the idea that God tolerates sin, no. That the Bible is tolerant of sin, no. That Christians should be tolerant of sin, no. It's just not there. The idea is not found in Scripture. This does not mean that God is not patient. I see, I'm, I'm just unfolding some things that we need to grab hold of because these are truths that we need to be in the know. Man, God is patient. He is full of patience. Throughout Scripture, we see God's patience, but again, not tolerance. Patience is waiting for change to happen. God is patience, and he's waiting for repentance. And repentance is the door which leads us to forgiveness. Remember, repentance is choosing to make a change and choosing to say no to sin, and all of a sudden you're choosing to walk in the light with Jesus Christ. 
and repentance leads us to forgiveness. While tolerance is a a deviation from God's standard. See, tolerance is not forgiveness. It actually lowers God's standard, and we cannot lower God's standard. Just get, I, thank you for the amen. I'm hearing one. So, yes, James. Keep saying it louder, James. Let's read 1 John 1, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. John writes, So we are, li- we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. John is just laying down truth here like crazy. He is giving you in the know type of stuff that you just need to be going like, oh my gosh, man, I'm I'm imagining the first Christians out there when they first got the letter of John and they started reading this, man, they started getting excited. When they're reading the truth, what John is writing, he's not pulling back any punches. He's just, man, he's in a fight, and he's hitting the devil with everything that he has. He says, no, 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 devil. You're not going to disguise sin and make people think that sin is okay. No, I'm hitting back. I'm going to share the truth because I know that if, if the sin is understood that it's not good because God is 100% good, And we as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, would set our standard higher, not lower. Then guess what? When we start stepping into the holiness of God in a greater way through the blood of Jesus Christ, he's going to open greater doors than we could ever imagine or could ever think. I believe sin holds us back from so many things. Now, I'm going to talk about grace, so just hang on. If you're here, Pastor Tom, where's grace? I'm coming there, okay? Just hang on. But I believe in our lives. There are times that the blessings of God don't flow because we tolerate sin, and we should not tolerate sin. Remember, those things don't mix. I like to golf. Any golfers out here? Very cool. I want to be able to know who I can call to go golfing with. So, I like to golf. And I've golfed probably twice a, twice a month, and I haven't been out golfing for like four weeks now, so someone needs to invite me to go golfing. But anyhow, <laughs> it's so bad that sometimes your pastor wants to go golfing, and he just goes out on his own, and he just gets paired up with a stranger. There's someone out there, you know, which is good because it's good that we, you know, have relationships. And it's interesting. I'll get paired up with someone, and we start golfing. This one time I get paired up with a guy, and we're hitting golf balls around, and He's not doing very good. He's hitting some bad shots. And man, every bad shot, he says the F word. <laughs> and if he doesn't say the F word, for some reason, when he makes a bad shot, he starts to blame God for it. I don't know why. God didn't make the shot. He did. And he starts to blame God. And I start, you know, I'm just hearing this, and I'm just keep moving forward. And I've learned long ago that when someone is going on the downfall, don't interrupt it. Just let it happen until they hit the bottom and pick them back up at the end. So I'm just playing golf, and now all of a sudden the lady that comes in the, the, the refreshment cart, she's driving up, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm just watching. I can't hear what they're saying, but, but I see her face kind of, you can see her face is disappointed. He said something to her, I'm going, oh, my gosh, you know. And so we just keep on going, and we keep on golfing. And inevitably, he asks the question that you should never ask on the golf course, especially to a pastor. So what do you do for a living? 
I'm a pastor. <laughs> now, the responses are amazing. I've seen grown men who actually want to cry when they see that, when I respond. Yeah, I'm a pastor. I've seen some that all of a sudden, man, they, throughout the rest of the, now, remember, I'm going out to golf for having fun. Now I have a guy that's apologizing to me for the rest of the round. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, the others, all of a sudden they know I'm a pastor, now it's a counseling session. And we're sitting in the golf cart, and he, you know, hey, man, the reason I'm the way that I am, you know, and, and they start talking about that, and it's because of this, because of that. Or you, you get in the seat with someone that has no standard, and they don't even care that you're a pastor, man. They just keep on going, man. It doesn't bother them a bit. And, and, you know, in some ways, they're probably maybe the most authentic. Just sharing that thought. But this gentleman, he responded in a very different way. When I told him that I was a pastor, he proceeded to tell me, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to such and such church. Now this is the guy that has been cursing our whole golf game. He's been using the Lord's name in vain, and he's been hitting on the cart girl. And he is not embarrassed whatsoever to say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to such and such church. Blew me away. No shame, no guilt, no embarrassment, none. This is the man that the Apostle John is talking about in this scripture. Someone who is lying to themselves, believing that they are in fellowship with God, when in reality, they are living in complete darkness. This is why it's so important that we know that God is righteous and holy. And I'm going to stay here for just a moment. I'm going to say it again. It is so important that we understand and we know in our hearts that God is 100% righteous 100% holy, because when we understand that and we start stepping into faith, guess what? It raises the level of the expectation in our life as well. It's an expectation that God wants us to strive for. In fact, as a Christ follower, practicing darkness should make you feel uncomfortable. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. When you practice darkness and you feel uncomfortable, yay! That may be in some sense, thank you, Lord, for a conscience. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. You see, what happens is when you do something wrong, and I struggle because people do something wrong, and all of a sudden I don't see them for two or three weeks, and I think they're sick. I call them, and I'll know they're just, their life is falling apart, and they feel guilty, and they don't want to come to church. They don't want to be a part of church. Why is that? Let's go back to the beginning. Because darkness and light, they don't mix. And so what happens is when you have the light of Christ living in you, you have his presence, you have his spirit inside of you, and when all of a sudden darkness is being introduced in your life, you should feel uncomfortable. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. You're like, oh, because it helps you to turn in the direction of Christ. 
So anytime you're feeling uncomfortable because of sin, man, praise the Lord and start to turn away from sin. Start to repent because that's, guess what? Repentance leads to forgiveness. When you repent, you can start getting forgiven of that sin and keep moving forward with Christ. It's a standard that we should follow. Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, be careful not to fall into darkness. In Hebrews, the author encourages us He says, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entraps us. Trying to mix the lightness and darkness is like going to a really, really, really bad family reunion. You know what I'm talking about? When you go to that family reunion and it's just uncomfortable. Maybe the last one that you had five years before, it just didn't go well, and someone said this, and you said, I don't know, whatever you said. Maybe you have different beliefs politically or different beliefs spiritually, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden just felt uncomfortable. That's what it feels like when we try to mix darkness and light together. Now, here's the great thing, and this is something that you need to remember. This is in the no knowledge right here. Light always overpowers darkness. Always. The more light that you introduce into your life, the less darkness there will be. Because darkness cannot stay around light. So the key into living a Christian life, and this is what the the Apostle John is trying to tell us, is man, snuggle up to Jesus, man. Get in the know. Understand who Jesus is in your life. Because the more you get close to Jesus, guess what? The less darkness that you will deal with in your life. It will just naturally start to fall off your life. It, catch it, it has no choice. Man, the devil will bend his knee every time in front of Christ. That's why the words of Jesus are so, so powerful in our life. When you're going through a difficult thing, man, you just declare Jesus over your life. Jesus. Sometimes you just need to be at home and you're having a struggle. Jesus. I know it sounds old school. I know it sounds funny, but some things in old school just work. Jesus, and you watch what happens in your life. Listen to what John writes in verses 8 and 9 of 1 John chapter 1. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. Catch this part. This is an important part. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John is not trying to set us up for failure by setting a standard so high that we cannot meet. He he wants you to know right now that you can't meet the standard. He wants you to understand that you've already failed. There is no way that you can meet the standard. Your only hope is in Jesus Christ. He is the one that will help you succeed. We live in a fallen world, and our human nature is prone to sin. John recognizes all of that. He wants you to recognize the same. John wants you to know that your hope is in Christ's righteousness. As you embrace the righteousness of Christ by faith, then you will not... Now, this is so important to catch, so I'm going to read it again, starting over. Everybody have their listening ears on? Okay. As you embrace the righteousness of Christ by faith, you have to believe in Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord and Savior. Then you will not be judged according to your righteousness, which is just but filthy rags, sin, but you will be judged according to who? Christ's righteousness. Catch this. Your faith in Christ's righteousness will naturally raise your standard 
to be more like him. The more that you walk in the light, the more that darkness will flee. In fact, one of the measurements of knowing, uh, knowing God is through your obedience of walking in the light. John writes these words in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. One of the ways that we know that we know him is by just walking in the light, by, by obeying what God presents to us, which leads me to my final thought. Light not only represents righteousness, light represents God's love. Throughout the first chapter and into the first part of the second chapter, John describes light as God's righteousness. But beginning at chapter 2, verse 7, John transitions a light from a value to an action. He takes, righteous, he takes the light, which represents righteousness. He's talked about that through the first chapter and the first part of the second chapter. But now all of a sudden, he takes the attribute of righteousness or of light. He takes it from righteousness and he says, hey, now let me put action to it. Because light is God's love. It's the love of Christ. He now begins to describe the light of the, the light as the love of God, and listen to his words in verses two through, or in verses seven through nine of First John chapter two. He says, "Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you; rather, it is an old one that you have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. For darkness is disappearing." And the true light is already shining. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, catch this. If anyone claims I am living in the light but he hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Now understand, because if you read that, you might think that, man, all I'm supposed to do is love believers. That's not what John is saying in this passage of Scripture. We are called to love everyone. But John is making a specific point in this verse. How can you say that you're living in the light but hate another person who is also living in the light? That doesn't mix. It makes no sense. Let me put it another way. How can two people say they love Jesus and hate one another when Jesus says the commandment that you need to love your brother? You can't do it. It's not. It's impossible. So what he says is, if you hate a brother, if you hate someone that's living as, a, as another Christian, guess what? Then you're not living in the light. You're living in darkness. Because I have called you to love one another. And especially someone who loves me, how can you not love one another? Now, this doesn't mean you don't have disagreements. This doesn't mean that you don't have conflict at times. But it does mean that you love that person. Thank you for the one amen. It was really good. Jesus gives us that commandment in John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. John states it very clear. If you claim you're living the light but hate your fellow believer, then you're still in darkness, meaning you're deceived because light equals love, darkness equals hate. Light equals love, darkness equals hate. We have to learn to let go of the darkness so that we can embrace the light of God's love. You can't hold on to hate in your heart and then claim that you have the light of Christ in you. Let it go. So, Pastor Tom, you say all this, but then 
How do, you, how do I do that? How do I forgive? How do I let loose of unforgiveness? How do I let loose of hurt? How do I let loose of stuff that's been in my life that my parents told me that hurt me so deeply or my brother told me or my friend told me or my spouse told me or a coworker? How do I let loose of that stuff in my life? You know, and it was interesting. I was thinking about this and it's interesting for out, this is the third week that I'm still working on the word that Doris Turnbull gave me three weeks ago. Let go. Let go. Just let go. Pastor Tom, that's so easy. Yes. It, it really is. Let go of it and let God. Let go. Let God. Let go. Let God. Say it. Let go. Let God. Let go. I think there's something powerful when you say it verbally on your... If you're struggling, let go, let God. Let go of hate. Let go of sin. And embrace God's love and his righteousness. There's an old missionary story about uh, the tribes in Africa who used to love this, to capture monkeys for this delicacy of monkey soup. And uh, there's nothing ever, ever, ever going to make me eat monkey soup, okay? Just so you know right now, it's just not going to be one of my delicacies in my life. But one of the hard things about making monkey soup is catching the monkey, because monkeys are really quick, really fast. And, uh, but the trap that they would set to catch a monkey was basically a, a jar that narrowed at the end. The, jar, the neck of the jar would narrow really tight. And, and what they'd do is they'd put some fruit into that jar, and then they would tie that jar onto a tree. And so the monkey would come by, he'd smell the fruit, and he'd put his hand inside the jar. He would grab a hold of the fruit. And then you start to pull his hand out, and he can't pull his hand out. Why? Because the neck of the jar was just narrow enough that when he clenched his fist, he couldn't get his hand back out. What's amazing of that story is this. He would panic, and he would start, the monkey will start screaming, start yelling, and then the, the guys would just come up, and they'd have the monkey. Now, monkeys are supposed to be really smart, but this monkey is really dumb. Because all he had to do was open his hand. All he had to do was let go of the fruit, and he could remove his hand out of the jar. But he wouldn't do it. He just would hang on to the banana, to the fruit inside of the jar, and he is trapped. And guess what? When we hang on to sin, when we hang on to forgiveness, when we hang on to hurt, what we're doing is we have our hand in a trap that the enemy has set up on us, and we can't get out of the trap. We are stuck. And all we have to do is what God has told us is to let go. And let God. That's all we have to do. Sounds a lot easier now, doesn't it? Sometimes we just need a basic illustration to all of a sudden bring it to life. Sometimes you, man, years ago I learned one thing. There's some things I can't control. So why spend time thinking about things that I can't control. Why don't I spend my energy, and I still think about things I can't control. Anytime you watch the news, most of the time it's things that you can't control. So stop watching the news, okay? I still watch the news. I don't even do what I, see, that's where, that's where it's at. But what happens if we could learn from that simple illustration to let go of sin, to let go of unforgiveness, to let go of jealousy, to let go of hurt, 
so that we can embrace the things that God desires for our lives. God wants you to let go of darkness. He wants you to live in the light. That's the whole message that John gives us. That's the in-the-know type of message that you, we need to step into. Because see, love is choosing to be kind. It's choosing to be patient. It's choosing to honor. It's choosing to forgive. It's choosing to do good. Love is choosing to be Christ-like. It's sacrificing self for the purpose of introducing others to the knowledge and the goodness of God. Darkness is a path that leads toward destruction. Light is a path that leads towards God and towards eternal life. It's your choice. You are now in the know. What are you going to do with the knowledge that you know? It's time to let go of darkness and grab a hold of the light. Back to the beginning of where we started today. Maybe you're facing a crossroad in your life. Maybe you have a difficult decision. You're struggling what to do in that decision. We talked about light being what? Love. Come on, Ali. Good job. Your voice is going to be more heard more and more often. Keep doing it. By the way, I was just a little bit prophetic that your voice is supposed to be heard more often. Just keep doing it. Speak for everybody. That should be a prophetic word on everybody. Your voice should be heard. Your voice should be heard. Light is love. So that difficult situation that you're facing, career change, marital problems, difficulty with children. Can I tell you what you can do? Because now you're in the know. I want you to take that situation and I want you to take God's love and apply it right on top of it. Bam. I want you, Pastor Tom, what are you telling me to do? I didn't say it was easy. I'm just saying it's right. Take God's love and apply it into the situation. Think about what Christ did for you and for me. He took the situation, he applied love, and the application of love led him to the sacrifice of dying on the cross. But because of that great love for you and for me, guess what? We all have the opportunity for eternal life through our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what love does. Love changes things. So guess what? Let's apply light into our life, into everything that we, or that any situation that's around us, and let's apply what we know, and that is to love. That's my message today. Love God, love others. This week, practice love. Go out, even with coronavirus, no, you can't do it. I was going to say, just go hug people, but don't, don't do it. Don't do it. But show people your love. Right now, with the kind of the fear that's going on, man, people need to see love more than anything else before. Not fake love, but God's love. And you have God's love inside of you. Thank you for your word today, God. We thank you that it does it not return void. We pray today, God, that for each person here that are sitting here, as we venture into this new series, In the Know, that this first week about love, about light, about righteousness, God, first of all, I pray over each person. I just want to give opportunity to respond. With your eyes closed, heads bowed for just a moment. If you're struggling with righteousness, you're struggling receiving the grace that God has for you, and you need that grace today, 
I just want you to raise your hand real high because I want to pray over you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see hands all over. Lord, I pray for every hand that's on us here today, raising up and just saying, man, I just need greater help just to do what you're calling me to do, Lord. I need your righteousness in my life like never before. I pray, God, that you pour out your Holy Spirit on each and every person. I pray for greater grace than ever before. And I pray, God, as we step into situations, God, that your grace, that your righteousness will lead us, Lord God, to make right decisions. And then for the second group here today, if you're here, man, and you just have an offense or a difficulty, a struggle, and you know that you need to let go and let God, and you're just having troubles. Today, by raising your hand, I want you to signify this. As, I, as you do this, I want you to open up. I don't want your hand in a fist. I want it opened up in a hand, which is signify I'm letting go. Do it right now, and I want to say a prayer over you, for you right now. Lord Jesus, you see the hands right now. Raised up. Fingers open. Palms up towards you. God, I pray for each person here today. It signifies, God, that they're letting go of whatever hurt, whatever pain, whatever difficulty, and they're letting you have it, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you would bless them for it, Lord God. Fill them with abundance, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said? God good? All the time. He is good. He is faithful. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.